Episode 891. After leading for a majority of the game, the Green Bay Packers lost their grip on a victory in a road game at Seattle. Does that spell doom for this team? Or can they rally? It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good evening, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central on Cheesehead TV, coming to you live from Wisconsin's capital city here in Madison at B-Rock Bar and Restaurant. I'm your host, Brian Carvu, joined by my co-host, Ben Hofferman. Ben, how you doing today? Yo, yo, yo. I am riddled with energy drink. All right. Let's Red see. Bull? Oh, no, no. Monster. Monster. Yeah. Okay. We, we should leverage some sort of uh, promotion advertising out of that. We'll see. It's been giving me the runs. I don't know if that's a good promotion. <laughs> All right. Let's get to it. We'll try to tell you, Vince. Uh, it's now been several days since the game, but uh, seeing this is how we start every show, Ben, your takeaways from a 27 to 24 loss to the Seahawks. I did it. I cracked the code. The universal pattern practically solved. I spied into the moist rictus of Pete Carroll's vigorous hinge and saw something too pink to be old shoe leather and too pliable for a hobbit's callus. But while I admit defeat on those two fronts, I am proud to open this living clue envelope and reveal his gnaw as none other than the tongue of a Galapagos tortoise. No, hold your applause. But make sure to watch me, the Cheesehead Geraldo, next Sunday when I take Leslie Stahl into the vault on a world-changing 60-minute segment. This is true. Yeah? Yeah, they, apparently they're running out of material, but come on, that's a big find. <laughs> We're going to run out of material here. No, we haven't even got to the game yet. <laughs> I said I got the runs, and then I took you into Pete Carroll's mouth. Uh, when I look into Pete Carroll's eyes, I see a deep chasm. Oh, and, and this is a good segue back into the game, because it did the same thing to me, pretty much. <laughs> that was a... We let one slip away again. Not much of a surprise. So for me, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, we make the same mistakes over and over again. We get yes. breaks. We got good, good play by different players. Typically, you know, I mean, we got a few that are always shining. We'll get to those guys. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we let one slip away. Our offense is not consistent. It doesn't finish drives. Our defense plays well, and then it's going to give up some. I mean, if we could just score some points, we'd be winning these games. <laughs> I don't know. What was your takeaway? Other than, I mean, I think yeah, the season's done. I mean, it's time to start the jokes. Well, I mean, that's, that's basically leads into my next question here. I mean, things obviously aren't looking good, but can you be encouraged by what is a relatively manageable schedule down the stretch? I mean, it, the schedule sets up well in terms of, like, there are winnable games for even this Packers team it's, from here on out. It's a certain, it's, I don't know if I want to use the word encouraging. You know, it's kind of like yeah. when you're in the hospital and you don't know what's wrong with you yet, but then you see that one guy that's just moaning and his like the right side of his face is dripping off. It's like it's just like moving around. And you're like, okay, well at least I'm not that guy. So it's <laughs> like, yeah, our schedule is good, but we still got our own problems. That the doctor has yet to reveal what it is. Well, don't we know I mean, okay, what's wrong with the Packers? Yeah, I suppose yeah, we I came mean, in with a stomach ache. We know, yeah. <laughs> 
We got a big gash on our head. We got yeah. an open wound. Yeah. Well, although, I mean, I, I see the symptoms for the Packers. I mean, they're struggling in the fourth quarter. They're struggling to convert third downs. But why they're struggling to convert third downs when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback? Ah, I like how you did there. You know the symptoms. Now you need the diagnosis. <laughs> yes, yes. Ah, we've got a theme tonight. <laughs> oh, uh, how much more difficult does does running the table, so to speak? Uh, I know it's you know not two years ago when that was the catchphrase, but you know how how, how difficult does it become when when we now have injuries to two more key players, one on each side of the ball, to tight end Jimmy Graham, to defensive lineman Mike Daniels. That's not making things any easier for this Packers team. No, it's not. And you might, you probably weren't expecting an answer this exact because I know you don't have a whole lot of respect for me. It's all right. You shouldn't. <laughs> but it makes it 4.3% harder. 4.3. Yeah, I, okay. I don't think losing Graham does a whole lot to us. I think he'll barely be missed. He'll be missed in our hearts. Uh, he hasn't been doing a whole lot. He hasn't been stretching the field. I mean, we'll have some other guy run across the field, like Tanyan. He'll do it. You know, we can throw it to him twice. And Mike Daniels, that's the guy that we're going to miss. He makes up the 4.2% of that. Yeah. I mean, I'm still not convinced him and Kenny Clark are entirely different people. They always seem to change who's playing well. <laughs> but... Yeah, it, it makes it tough. That was that was our strength up the middle. Yeah, but. no doubt about it. Let's get to the chips report as we do every week, and maybe we won't spend as much time as usual on it, seeing as the game is now whatever five days ago. But we still have plenty of kudos to give away and uh, some uh, jeers for the bad players. But your blue chips for this week, the best of the best. One of them going to Kyler Fackroll, the uh, outside linebacker, doing. Really good and uh, having a good game. And uh, he himself coming up with, oh, if I can find out his statistics here. Kyler Fackrell on the day has six tackles, three sacks for a loss of 20 yards, four tackles for a loss, you know, of course, four quarterback hits, uh, and even that one defensive batted pass in which he hit back to the Russell Wilson caught it himself yeah for a nice nice healthy loss yeah yeah so I mean here we go Kyler Fackrell the guy who I've been on his case all Mm -hmm. year and he goes and uh, has a good game we've got this coming Brian I don't know I'm I'm sure you can hear this you can hear everything at home but we got got to open these up Ben's opening up a bag here of some sort of candy yep it's time to eat crows Brian we did it. <laughs> oh, okay. We, we, we've been giving Kyler a hard time. Oh, God. Oh, black licorice is so bad. Ben actually brought candy crows here. That's why, that's why you never want to be wrong, because then you've got to eat crows. Oh, man. That's These also, are bad. They're bad. <laughs> this is why you never want to be wrong. Black licorice. Mm-hmm. You ever hear of the freshman 15? Anise. You know what the freshman 15 is, right? It couldn't be from eating crows. Yeah, be- yeah, right. It's yeah because when you're a freshman, you got to take algebra or geometry, and they're yeah. both super tough. Yeah, and you're always wrong. You got to eat these crows. Well, you got to be pretty. Eating crows? You couldn't find anything better to eat as a freshman, like pizza? No, you got to eat crows because you're wrong. That's oh, the okay. old euphemism, right? Isn't that how it started? Okay. Or does my parents just hate me? Anyway, maybe they aren't good at math. <laughs> I thought you were taking this in a literal sense, like you bought bags of crow's candy and like... Yeah. 
Am I not being straightforward? <laughs> Listeners at home will weigh in. I'm making perfect sense. I, did, I thought you were speaking metaphorically for a second. No, you eat crows. <laughs> anyway, sorry, not to distract us here, but... God, this is going to sound awful. I've got to eat these crows. But I was all confused by Kyler Fackrell's performance because he's a Roomba. <laughs> and then I went on the iRobot website to get this press release. Here it is. As of November 15th, the Roomba GB51 robot vacuum has received a firmware upgrade allowing two-stage cleaning system. The edge-sweeping brush concentrates on edges and corners, while the all-new intelligent navigation and dirt detect technologies not only actually recognize the run, but will leap its stupid little head into the way of oncoming passes. Finally, (laughs) the patent-pending Mike Petten Premium Player Control app helps the robot get around furniture and focuses on areas that need it most everywhere. There you go. Kyler Fackrell. It all makes sense now. The most effective Roomba in history. I don't know, man. Have you ever had a Roomba? I have not. I lost three cats to a Roomba. (laughs) Your other blue chip player from this game, wide receiver Devontae Adams. It was easy to tell um, who Devontae Adams was on the field. Like, even, like, sometimes it's hard, you know, if you don't watch the games all the time, especially when when they're not good, you know. But if you, if you were forced to watch this game against your will, it was still easy to identify Devontae Adams, right? Yeah. Like, even my mom knew him because he was the only guy that caught the ball. If anyone caught the ball, you're like, oh, that must be Devontae Adams. <laughs> he's, ten, he's our only receiver. Ten catches, 166 yards, 16.6-yard average, long of 57. It, it's amazing to me, like, how aggressive he's become. Like, the ball's in the air, and Devontae Adams says, that's my ball. He like he like attacks the ball mm-hmm. like he, he's and I never saw that before this year really out of him. No, I mean I, he's he's been good, but maybe it's just frustration that's yeah. getting him to that point where he he's probably getting sick of yeah the the sluggishness of our offense. Unfortunately, he's literally the only guy producing out there yeah as a wideout. So I mean a de- defense has only got a game plan him yeah and then we're done yeah. So I don't know. I don't think it's his performance I mean, is, Mar- is helping us, but like, I just feel like it's going to be easier to game plan against yeah. us. Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling was producing for a while, but like he didn't this past game, that's for sure. No, like his production is like maybe he gets a big c- catch. Yeah. You know, he, he, has he gotten more than five catches in a game? You know, yeah. like that's the, that's, we need a guy that can be a threat on a continual basis, not like, yeah, I mean, Rodgers is going to get it to somebody. I'll take one dude who's got one 70-yard catch and a touchdown a game. Yeah, but that like Tanyan, you know, like what are you gonna like? You want a bunch I'll of Tanyans? It. I'll take it. Oh man, <laughs> that was that was his first career catch. Yeah, I'm gonna be eating friggin' crows next week. Now watch him get three TDs. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe the injury to Jimmy Graham opens the door for him. Black so. licorice is the worst way to get diabetes. Red Chips, the good, maybe not great players. One of them goes to Aaron Jones, and I got the feeling like. Man, if the Packers just—I feel like a broken record, but if the Packers just gave him the ball more, he could have been in the blue chip category. Right. Yeah. He got yeah. 11 rushes, 40 yards, which is still what a 3.8 yard average, something like that. You're gonna yeah. have to, some weird decimal point. But uh, he didn't get a whole lot on the ground. Excellent job catching the ball and running out of the backfield. Yeah. Um, which I think was something that people were wondering if how he was going to do with that. Yeah. He looked great. Best catch of his career, uh, one in which he ran deep 
right. out of the backfield. You know, and, you, and, and was, a, wasn't just a dump off or a screen. He ran downfield to get that ball. And he had to make the play. Yeah. It wasn't a, a perfectly thrown ball. Yeah. It was a quintessential 2018 Aaron Rodgers slightly off throw. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Jones scores two touchdowns, one of them on the ground. Which, that touchdown run was nice. Uh, Eight-yard run. Uh, mm-hmm. Did a good job. Your other red chip player from this game, uh, offensive tackle David Bakhtiari. I mean, he did a good job. He always does a good job, but no one else stepping up to grab it. Right, yeah. Our offensive line has been playing well, I think. The the only problem is, like, it maintains the pocket, but it kind of – the pocket moves. They don't set it. Bakhtiari is playing great. I mean, I'm supposed to be talking about him. But, I mean, I thought our offensive line played pretty well. There's times when we give him Rogers tons of time and nothing happens. But Bakhtiari is a he's a rock out there. Yeah, I love watching him play. I want uh, them to make uh, like sumo wrestling part of the Pro Bowl weekend. <laughs> it would I would love to watch him sumo wrestle, guys. Yeah, he's great. I love it. Honorable mention to uh, Trevor Davis, who you know just signed before this game, added a little. Uh, added a little something on special teams in the little spark to the return game and as a gunner, so, uh, so good job to him. But your cow chip players, the worst of the worst, one of them going to linebacker Blake Martinez. Uh, the phrase usually the you know people have kind of surmised when, when they keep him clean, when the defensive line keeps him clean, he can make plays. When they don't, you know, he struggles, and he struggled this game. Yeah, it's so true. It's... It's just a. I'm just going to be repeating that because that's exactly it. I mean, it. If he doesn't have great vision, yeah. I don't know if it's what it is, but he, he doesn't see the 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 ball well out of the backfield, and so he's been, he's slow to react unless he's got a wide open lane, and then he makes a he makes a play. He's really athletic and aggressive, and it, man, he. What, on that last uh, touchdown pass over the middle. Was that just a good play call against us, or was that did he blow that one? I couldn't really tell. I mean, I didn't want to blame he him for that. He did have to come a long way yeah. across the field. so like, It looked like that was just a perfect call against our setup. Yeah, I mean, maybe he should have like known better and be like, man, i got to be a right. little bit closer to the center of the field than... It is tough to know what the coaching point was there, but, yeah. I mean, that's far from his only mistake of the day. He didn't he, do anything. He got sucked in by, like, uh, play action and misdirection, and that didn't help either. Like, yeah. all of a sudden, he's, like, biting, you know, stepping forward on a play action fake, and then, you know, that gets him away from the play. Your other cow chip player from this game, uh, defensive lineman Mike Daniels, who's kind of seems a little bit weird and to hear him in this category and it didn't really have anything to do with the injury per se uh but i do wonder if he was like really injured before he came out of the game like maybe that was impacting him i saw him on the ground twice this game uh it was almost more for the mistakes that he made were like He's being too aggressive. Like, he's trying something, and he ends up flopping on the ground because of it. Yeah. Yeah. He, not good production for Mike Daniels. This is like a bad send-off, you know? Yeah. If all, of all the guys, he's the one guy that might be listening. Other than, I mean, Mercedes Lewis's <laughs> mom listens for him. Yeah. But, I mean, he's, he's injured. Maybe he wants to see what us morons are up to. Sorry, Mike. Yeah, I, I love Mike. You've been playing great other than this, this week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really... That says it all. He's he's been good except for this week, and uh, 
He, he didn't wasn't credited with a single tackle, but no. I mean he did play a majority of the game before he came out too. So he's not listening. Who am I kidding? No. There might be a Mike Daniels listening. <laughs> no offense to any Mike Daniels out there. All right, um, we're gonna pause here, but before we do, Railbird Central is unsurprisingly brought to you by Beer Rock, where on Black Friday we're celebrating black beers. Now that temperatures are dropping, dark beer season has arrived. For one day only, three dark beers are being featured for $4 all night long. They include One Barrel Brewing's Banjo Cat India Black Ale, Sprecher Brewing's Black Bavarian Schwartz Beer, and Left Hand Brewing's Fade to Black Foreign Export Stout. And if that doesn't trip your trigger, one of the 24 beers we have on tap should. So stop on by the day after Thanksgiving at 2911 North Sherman Avenue, inside the Northside Town Center. And with that, we're going to get our guest on the phone. Tonight we have John Meerdink of the Power Sweep, the Packers blog, going to talk some Packers football with us. Uh, So just hang on, and we'll be right back. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? Joining us right now on Railbird Central is John Meerdink of the Power Sweep. John, how are you doing today? Glad to be with you, Brian. We're glad to have you on the phone talking some Packers football. Uh, John, let's start with this. What 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 kind of kind of kind of pack do you think Jim Allen will be able to make with a broken thumb? Do you think he'll be able to play at all? What's going on with him? I think I would be surprised if he's able to play at least this week. Going forward, it's, it's anybody's guess, but uh, I would be surprised if he plays. And if he does play, it's hard to imagine him making any kind of impact. I mean, think about it. Just 10 days ago, by the time this game rolls around, he'll have broken his thumb during a game, and he didn't come back in that particular game. It seems like just a really big ask to get him out on the field again, and if you're looking at him as a guy who's going to be with the Packers potentially next year and the year after that, do you want him messing around with his thumb? This seems like a big ask, and things could go wrong. I just don't, don't see it for him this week. Yeah, uh, that could could certainly be the case. I'm not sure they ruled him out exactly yet. I mean, there's still a few days here, but I've seen tight ends play with casts, you know, like club casts in the past, and, you know, they, they can't really catch the ball very well. So I wonder if, if, you know, it's even worth having Jimmy Graham out there. But, but John, if Graham is ineffective, can, can the Packers get any production from the tight end position and take some pressure off Devontae Adams? I am not super optimistic there. So we're kind of starting this uh, this whole thing off on a bit of a downer note, but I'm not I'm not super optimistic uh, that a lot of protection is coming the Packers' way from the tight end spot. If you look at Mercedes Lewis, he's fine, but very different from Graham. Even at his peak, he was not the receiver that Graham is now. In a lot of ways, he's kind of a rich man's Richard Rodgers. Uh, he, he blocks a lot better than Rodgers does, but anything you get from him in the passing game is more or less a bonus. Though he's been good there in the in the relatively distant past for him now. This year, they've had to scheme him open the times they have gone his way. Lance Kedricks really isn't much of a tight end anymore. He's more of the H-back, fullback type, so I wouldn't count on a lot of production there. And I think, at least at this point, I'm a little bit of a Robert Tanyan skeptic. He's a nice story. He certainly has a lot of athletic attributes that you like. But I think a big impact, enough impact to take the pressure off of, of Jimmy or of, of what you would get from Jimmy Graham, the pressure off of Devontae Adams, I think is, is probably unlikely. I think you're better off hoping for somebody like Equinemia St. Brown to step up. Fair enough. I'll, I'll buy that, and I would certainly like to see that. 
Uh, you don't think we'll see another 56-yard touchdown from Tanyan? Well, I would love to see that. That was one of the <laughs> top three or four plays for me this season. But uh, And if he does it one more time, I think that's all you need out of him. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not holding out tons of hope this year. Fair enough. Um, John, where are you with your assessment of Aaron Rodgers this season? The statistics look good, but the Packers' record just doesn't jive with his otherwise good numbers. Yeah, that's that's really a good way of putting it. Uh, the the numbers don't line up with the results, and some of Rogers' numbers look really good. I'll throw this one at you. He's done something this year that no one in NFL history has done. 1920 to present, no one has thrown 385 passes with only one interception in league history. It's never been done. That's pretty incredible. But on the other hand, it just hasn't felt like. He's all the way there this season. And there's some injury stuff there to be sure, but there's also just a bunch of little things that have added up. Some are his fault, some are not. You've got the throwaways, which are, are not, not great, but again, not entirely his fault, and in some ways a good play. You've got the timeouts at the line. Some of that is on Rodgers, some of that is on McCarthy. Generally, just flow out of the line. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of good flow for the Packers once they get to the line, they break the huddle and get up there. And then sometimes you have plays that I've seen people describe as greedy. And I don't know if I would describe it, use that word in particular, but it seems like that's kind of how you have to come down on some of these plays. He just seems occasionally to be trying to do too much. And it reminds me a little bit of the 2015 season after Jordy Nelson went down. It looked like he, had, he thought he had to win every game himself. Now he's trying to do some of that still, and it hasn't been super pretty. Still a, a diminished Aaron Rodgers or an Aaron Rodgers that, you're, that is not playing super well is better than, I don't know, 85 90% of the quarterbacks out there in the league. So all in all, you, you want to measure your complaints a little bit, but I don't think it's been a great year for him. Yeah, it, it's, it really is weird. At times he looks so good like he did for, you know, the first three quarters of the game uh, against the Seahawks. The fourth quarter I can ha have some quibbles with Aaron Rodgers, including the last pass of the game, which is a head-scratcher. But, yeah, uh, not sure what to make of him. But from offense to defense, John, how, how much will the Packers' defensive line be impacted by the loss of Mike Daniels for what looks to be a couple weeks? Well, if you look at the two big injuries that came out of Thursday's game against the Seahawks, this is the one that really bothered me more. To say nothing of trying to replace him as a player, and Mike Daniels is a very good player, you just have to fill in a lot of snaps to overcome the loss of Mike Daniels. There's only been two games this year where he has played fewer than 60% of the snaps. Uh, that was the Chicago game, the start of the year where he was a little bit banged up. And then there was his last game when he also led to an injury. Every other game this year, he's played at least 60% of the snaps on defense. And that's a pretty heavy workload. And I don't know if the Packers have the bodies to replace him at a high level. I like Dean Lowry as a player. He's fine. But when you start getting into Montrevious Adams, Tyler Lancaster, uh, even if they call up James Looney from the practice squad, that's a tough go to get them to replace the, the player that Daniels is. And you could really see the Seahawks take advantage of him not being in there late. They made a lot of hay up the middle. Kenny Clark already plays a lot of big snaps. It's hard to ask more from him. And it, it, I wonder how much the Packers can really weather the loss of Daniels here. 
Yeah, it appears as if the Packers are going to have to make a move at some point and add an extra defensive lineman. We're kind of waiting to see who that'll be, whether it's Looney or somebody else. But, uh, John, let's talk about your website, the the Power Sweep, for a second. Uh, A couple weeks ago, you guys did a survey of Packers bloggers and, and not the mainstream media uh, which I took part in and was happy to do so. But could you tell us one or two of the biggest takeaways from that survey here? Because I think the results can be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to do so. And, and I want to play a little bit of inside baseball here. We're going to have Packers bloggers and podcasters talking about Packers bloggers and podcasters. I want to mention three <laughs> things that I really took away from the survey here. Um, First and foremost, there are a lot of people producing great Packers content, and a lot of those people want to make some money from this. They're not trying to make a full-time living, but they do want to make make some money. They want to get paid for what they do, and I think they deserve to. There's a lot of good stuff being produced out there, including this very fine podcast. Uh, I was actually explaining to my wife today what exactly this podcast is, and I used the, the phrase, the godfather of Packers podcasting, to describe who you are, Brian. So, so there's a plug. A plug for you right in there too big fan of of your work um but kind of in that in that vein a lot of people want to get some kind of compensation for the work that they're doing but very few people are pursuing routes to make money this is self-reported from the people who are out there doing this people are not pursuing advertising on their podcasts or on their websites they're not selling merch and only 23 percent of the people that we surveyed used something as simple as Patreon to get money for the things that they are producing. The final takeaway that I got from this is that almost nobody in this blogging or podcasting community supports other content creators, which I think is is just a shame. And I mean financially. We do a lot of retweeting and appearing on other people's podcasts financially. But I think as a community, and I include myself in this, I need to do a better job of this. We need to do a better job of supporting financially work that matters to us because the the stuff that we've we've uncovered with the survey is that people do not find that they are getting support from other people in this community and they are not going out of their way to support others and i would i would hope that i can be a, a leader in that and, and doing more to support financially other people even if it's just a buck a month i say that if you give us a dollar a month for an entire year that supports a month of, of hosting for our podcast that's that's not insignificant so we need to, to do a, a better job as a whole, as a community, I think, of supporting each other. Because we're all kind of in this together, and we all know that we're doing this for fun. So that was the biggest, the three biggest takeaways for me. Let me add that I think the Packers organization needs to support uh, the non-mainstream media a little bit more. And they've been very hesitant to and have been for years Uh, I know they don't want to hear this, and they'd rather just ignore it, but uh, that's something that also needs to be done in this community. Uh, Do do you remember just off the top of your head, John, uh, I believe you asked the, what was it, the the satisfaction with the job of head coach Mike McCarthy? I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but that's something we've been tracking independently over the past couple weeks, and I can tell you that in in the – in the last week or so, he's seen a big hit in the support that he's given us. In fact, the, the early numbers for this week's poll show a job approval rating of, of 38.75 out of 100 for Mike McCarthy right now, which would be a season low by 
uh, about 7%. Two weeks ago, after the Patriots lost, it was down to 45%. Now he's, he's below 40. <laughs> um, if you were actually look back at that survey, though, one interesting thing we uncovered is people's perceptions of Mike McCarthy differed significantly if they were based in Wisconsin or outside of Wisconsin. So I don't know the exact numbers there, but we found that content creators based in Wisconsin had a lower opinion of McCarthy than people from outside the state. Interesting. <laughs> I'm not sure what's that, what that's exactly attributed to, but uh, interesting nonetheless. I'm not sure either. It was, it was certainly odd and, yeah. uh, and, and noteworthy. That wasn't the only area where we saw a difference from inside the state and outside. Fair enough. Uh, last question before we let you go, John. And I asked the same question to our guest last week, but but is this week a must-win game for the Packers if they hope to qualify for the playoffs? I think pretty much. Uh, I mean, the margin of error is so slim, and unless they want to start praying for help from other people, this is pretty much it. they got to win and, and win this week and win the next week and win every week between now and the end of the season if they want to stay in charge of their own fortunes. I, I know that there are scenarios where they could lose, I think, one this game and maybe one other and still get in somehow or go 5-1 and one the rest of the way. I'm not exactly sure, but I think heading into last week's game, that, that short week Thursday night game, they really had margin of error to, to afford one loss the rest of the way, and they used it up on a short week and in a tough week. They had a lot of injuries and stuff to deal with there. But that was pretty much it. It was a, it was, they had a small margin for error and they used it up. So I think it's, it's must-win games from here on out. Run the table once again, John. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate, it. we uh, love your insight, and uh, we're going to encourage our listeners to go visit uh, thepowersweep.com. Thank you very much, Brian. Always a pleasure. Take care. John Meerdink of the Power Sweep joining us here at Railbird Central on a Tuesday evening. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on. And welcome back, Ben Hofferman, for our mailbag segment. Ben, are you ready? I hate so many friggin' crows. <laughs> yeah, bring them on. All right, from Kevin Mooney on Twitter. Has How has Tremont Williams' performance at safety compared to other safeties in the league? Next. I um I don't I'm gonna plead ignorance I guess I watch the NFC North a lot and I I watch you know here and there outside of that I don't know you know how the 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 league average I think would be at safety he's got to be subpar but that's more of a guess just because I I can't speak with confidence outside of the North I think he he's He's getting experience here. I mean, this is the time to get some experience because hate to be a downer, but we ain't cutting it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I certainly, especially this year, have watched less NFL football than any year in a lot of years. Uh, but I, I have watched a lot of football in the past, and I do see a player who's, you know, uh, understandably learning the position. You know, he stepped in for HaHa Clint Dix just weeks ago and hasn't played free safety a ton. And, you know, I, I think he's getting by on, you know, just a, a lot of his own knowledge of the game of football, but certainly could stand to learn a lot more. Uh, the nuances of the position that he hasn't played all that much. Right. I, his inconsistency has got to be you know, wider than the, the norm. 
So, I mean, yeah. he, below average. It, it wasn't a bad game this past week. He led the team in tackles. He had the nice fumble recovery, although that many times is just a product of luck sometimes. Right, yeah. Uh, but he, he, this past game, he was average. Um, yeah, he was fine this yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another question here. Uh, we have a conspiracy, question, uh, conspiracy theory question from Zach Green on Twitter. Do you think refs wait to see if a kickoff return is gaining yards, then throw a flag for holding to further the effort of eliminating the play? See, now, after that last question, we just got done talking about how we got to support each other, and we're even talking about, like, hard-earned money, and then I come out and I'm like, I don't know. Don't ask me about football. But now (laughs) now I'm going to earn it. I'm going to earn some respect because I can answer this one. I don't know if I'm going further or not as far, but I... They absolutely they don't even wait to see how the play plays out on a, on a kickoff return. They're throwing that flag. You can't. I don't know how you can argue otherwise. There are certain rules that they call them points of emphasis or call it play. They're trying to steer the game away from, and they enforce it stricter than other plays. Like if, if you look at holding on a kickoff versus intentional grounding, if you look at roughing the passer versus a double team block on a punt, I don't know how you can argue that they don't enforce one stricter than the other. But you can. <laughs> There's no such thing as intentional grounding. I think you have to, like, declare it before the play starts, like a lineman, like, you know, waving his hand in front of his, his chest. I think you have to declare, I'm going to ground this. And then they'll be like, fine. Grounding against the, the quarterback, our golden boy. What do you think? I mean, obviously I've seen them make rule changes that have almost eliminated the kickoff. Whether or not holding is being called more often this year is in an effort to like curb it even more. I mean, I think they would like to keep the kickoff as it stands right now. I think you've made it about as <laughs> it's pointless, maybe a little, but I mean, it's what the extra point used to be. Yeah, fair there's, enough. there's no reason in the, the play. I, I agree with you, I don't think they want to change it just because they don't want to annoy everyone yeah. they don't want people talking about the kickoff they want people enjoying the product yeah and i don't think that they're necessarily calling these penalties i don't think they're steering it away from it other than that's one of those rules that they enforce every time they see it and they don't do that with grounding they don't want that to be a point of emphasis they because yeah. they know that will hurt their product yeah people don't want to see fourth and 50 <laughs> From Jim Widener on Twitter, could the Packers possibly replace uh, President Mark Murphy? Mark Hodge Murphy? Replace the Murph? He looks like Ron Howard crossed with Jim Thorpe. From an aesthetic (laughs) standpoint, he is irreplaceable. Now, for the the true dirt, I don't think, I mean, they're not going to get rid of him. No. They're going to get rid of McCarthy first. We'll see how that plays out. Then if that blows up and, you know, then he'll be the next guy to blame. Yeah, basically he's going to get the opportunity to make a coaching change. You know, just he he made the GM change and next he's probably quite likely, I think, going to make a coaching change and they will determine, you know, his future based upon the the firing and the hirings that he eventually makes. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Uh from uh, L.A. Chad, or, or maybe it's pronounced La Chad on Twitter, uh, any update on Cole Madison, the uh, rookie offensive lineman draft pick, I believe a fifth rounder from this past year? So all we know, this is, this is all very tight-lipped, this is hush-hush, 
All we know is he's on leave due to personal matters, end quote. So, with that being our only clue, I googled that and was immediately taken to a Catholic forum for widowers trying to discuss menstruation to their blossoming daughters. Also, all targeted ads immediately changed to Judy Bloom's Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. And I pray that whatever Cole Madison is dealing with, it's not half as awkward as that. But who knows? I mean, that could be it. That might be the answer, and that's a tough sub- subject for a secular father. Is he Catholic, do you know? I don't know. Because that could be our answer. <laughs> if Lachette can tell me, Lachette, if Lachette can tell me if Cole Madison is Catholic, I can tell him where he's at. We have no official word on Cole Madison. Uh, I have no underground word on Cole Madison. And uh, I think when there is official word, everybody will hear it at the same time. It's got to be something like, like drastic hemorrhoids, something that no one wants to talk about. You know, Maybe that's why we don't know, because no one can keep a, a secret anymore. It is amazing in today's Internet age how this has been rather kept under wraps. You can keep a hemorrhoidal secret. No one wants to hear about that. <laughs> From the whole cheese on Twitter. If it's fourth and two with 410 left and the Packers are down three against the Vikings on Sunday, will McCarthy punt? I say, I think, okay, if that situation plays out, I think McCarthy does call for the punt. But, and history backs me up here, I'd say J.K. Scott goes out there, tells him to shove it, takes a snap, and runs it out of the backfield. <laughs> and, but and he doesn't get fired, he becomes Times Person of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> That's my prediction. Yeah, Mike McCarthy. Uh, I mean, were, were you, like, lamenting at the point that they chose to punt this past week? Not entirely. I, afterwards, you know, everyone started playing what if. Yeah. You know, I don't know how many people were upset at that moment. I wasn't one of them. It's a difficult decision to make, you know, when you got seconds to make it. Yeah, and I, and I understand why you would go for it there. But Yeah, I mean... I wasn't furious with the decision. I was furious with the. I was more angry with the play yeah. of Aaron Rodgers down the stretch. Yeah. And I'm not throwing this all on Rodgers by any means. But mm-hmm. that upset me more than I wasn't thinking, man, yeah. I knew we should have gone for it. The thing is, they had one timeout left. Like maybe had they had two or three, maybe it's a different story. Yeah, then it's. Then I think it's then punt. absolute. Yeah. Yes, absolute punt. All right. Appropriately, that leads into a slew of questions about Mike McCarthy's future, most of them tongue-in-cheek. Uh, I got two of them here that are pretty good. From Peter, from Peter Isles on Twitter. Woo-hoo. He's back. Which is more done, Mike McCarthy or a $2 steak? And then there's this question from Dead Grateful on Twitter. Dead underscore grateful. What is the best way for the Packers to fire M- Mike McCarthy? Is it by forklifting him into a spaceship and launching it at a black hole while Black Hole Sun plays on repeat? Do you want to answer either of those oh, questions? Nice. I think we've had Dead Grateful on the, on the air before it too. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. I got. I know which one is is more done, McCarthy or two dollar steak, because I lived in Beaver Dam for a while, and, and you did as well. <laughs> And every Wednesday, the whole town rolled into the low ebb of their bowling alley for $1 burgers and $2 steaks. And rather than being the thin, charred beef scraps you might imagine, they pulled out what looked like cataracts off a Cocker Spaniel's eyes, except like 10 times the size. And they used the oil off the lanes and just mixed it with some grease. And they used so much that it was like practically boiled in there. Anyway, where I'm going with this is that I can say from experience, one that will likely kill me, McCarthy is more done than a $2 steak. It's, It's like... It's greasy and like still like medium well. Better be careful here. You're gonna get sued for uh, by the be- giving the away their secrets. <laughs> oh, I, they 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 do them out there on lane eight. 
That's the one that the, the league, they don't let them bowl on. And that's why. You can see the scraps out there. Hopefully this doesn't get to uh, reach the people at the Beaver Dam Bowling Alley. Oh, you think they're on the internet? <laughs> they're all just reading The Wandering Man and their local, their local paper, the local Lebanon. Beaver Dam, if we got any Beaver Dam listeners out there, they are dying right now. <laughs> All right, uh, he, it, it, kind of continue, uh, continuing the same theme here, uh, a couple more questions, uh, all, all very similar here. Oh, can, can I answer the uh, how to kill Mike McCarthy one too? <laughs> or the best way to get rid of him? Because it just, I'll make this one quick, because I think per, perhaps sending him into a black hole is too expensive. I, th- I say we make him go co-host with uh, Rick Steve on Rick Steve's Europe, because those two get along <laughs> like beige and taupe. I guarantee it. <laughs> I could see that. All right, sorry. Mike McCarthy giving a tour of uh, Italy. Oh, they would, they would eat bread together. <laughs> From Philip Voss on Twitter, uh, if Mac is let go at the end of the year, what are some names you favor for his successor? Uh, from Pelham Blue Jim, uh, instead of replacing McCarthy, what if they hired a more progressive offensive coordinator? And from Will Thomas on Twitter, Post-Coach Condoleezza rumor, what non-football personalities, both fiction and non-fictional, would you consider for the head coach? Uh, any of these you want to address? Oh, absolutely. These are, these are some good ones. When I read Philip Voss's, I was kind of confused because I didn't know if he meant, like, a real person that I want to replace him or just any name. Like, if I could name the next person. Like, if I paid the $800 to legally change his name, what would I change it to? <laughs> and I don't have an answer for the former, but the latter, I would go with the overly European Heinrich Konkadin. Or the intimidating Blue Rockashone, or it's simply Pickles. Coach Pickles. Coach Pickles. Come on, that was oh, that's so darling. Everyone would love Coach Pickles. He could punt and he could not go for it on fourth and three from anywhere on the field. No one, no one's going to give Pickles any grief. Pickle Rick. And then on the Coach Condoleezza thing, which by the way was a fantastic rumor that tickled me. <laughs> like I was like deep in a, in the, the madness of a spreadsheet at work when somebody said that, and I just giggled. She outright. was on the college football playoff committee. Hey, I, I would love to have seen that. Oh man, that would have tickled me. But to answer that, if I could pick personalities, both fiction and non. Okay, so for fiction, I'm going Sasquatch, Columbo, <laughs> Slenderman. And Hodor, oh, his play calling would be fantastic. And then nonfiction, I'm going to go Sasquatch. Hey, it depends on who you talk to. I'm going to go <laughs> Nick Cage because he's the only man who could outdo Tom Coughlin in both color and rage. Uh, whoever the fattest person is in the world, just for the uptick in concession sales. Though it may be counteracted by the giant polo shirts we'd have to sew together for him. And then finally, Steve Harvey, so I could watch his baffled family feud face during all the stupid post-game interview questions. Good suggestion. Hey, I thought about this one. This is the kind of question I can think about. <laughs> I can, I'll still be thinking about it tonight. Now, league-wide safety play? I'm not so sure. How much, uh, how much uh, is your employer mad by the amount of time you probably thought at work about that question? That's why I, whenever I go in for like an end-of-year review, they're like, oh, we're sorry, we couldn't give you a raise. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I don't do any work. <laughs> <laughs> and we were on the same page. Like, they need a body. They need to fill all the cubicles. Otherwise, people come through, and they're like, man, you guys aren't doing so hot. And they just put me in the corner, and they give me MS Paint, and I turn out some doozies. For the one person that's still listening to the show and is looking hey. for a serious answer to this question, I'm going to direct them to David Mikowski's article at Cheesehead TV. 
in which he lays out some of the actual coaching candidates for the next coach of the Green Bay Packers. Here, here we go. Here's this list. Josh McDaniels, the Patriots offensive coordinator. John DeFilippo, the Vikings OC. Uh, John Harbaugh, the Ravens head coach. Bruce Arians, the former Cardinals head coach. Pete Carmichael, the Saints offensive coordinator. And Matt LaFleur, the Titans offensive coordinator. Do any of those names catch your fancy? I mean, not so much catch my fancy, but Bruce Arians does sound like, to me, that just sounds right. Like if I had to predict the pattern of the world that's coming up next. Yeah. I don't know why that just that, sounds... That old school hat would fit in well in Green Bay yeah. that he wears. And we love oversized white men. <laughs> Is he too old? I mean, is that the kind of thing you shy away from at this point? Hey, yeah. the dude's retired. True. Yeah. Do you need the, 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 the like, up-and-coming offensive coordinator instead? Do you think the Patriots – is he moving on to a, a coaching gig no matter what? Um, Josh McDaniels? Yes. Yeah. Is, you know, he was the coach of the Broncos, and that didn't end very well. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I would, I would really like a uh, – that offensive mind yeah. in Green Bay, that would be, that would, that tickles me. I've heard it suggested that, uh, you know, like he, he would be a great offensive coordinator, maybe not the greatest head coach. I mean, that's, that's what I mean, he's doing right now. True. Just bring him on, tell him just to focus on the offense, and we'll just call him the head coach. Make him the highest paid offensive coordinator in NFL history. Yeah, I mean, it's better than wasting money on Aaron Rodgers and not giving him an offense to run. <laughs> anyway, predictions for Week 12, Packers at Vikings. <laughs> That's my, my prediction is that we're going to hear that a lot. Oh, I hate that. I, oh, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like we're going to lose. I felt like we were going to lose last week, but my, my homer... The homer in me kind of took over. It's like, no, we're going to win. Well, I mean, they had a chance to win. It certainly wasn't way off base. Yeah, I know. I just went against my gut instinct. Yeah. This time I'm going with it, although this maybe I'm just giving into pessimism at this point. But, I mean, they, they've been close for several weeks. They had opportunities to win against the Rams, the Pats, the Seahawks. Oh, the homer in me is coming roaring back. Okay, Kirk Cousins, he is now... No, there's a waste of money. <laughs> Nothing against Kirk Cousins, but he's got a heck of a Joe Flacco-type contract here that he is not going to live up to. He struggled last week. I think we could make him make some mistakes. I still think we lose. I'm going with a loss, too. Yeah. The season may come to an end, uh, even if it's not mathematically like eliminated yet, but for it, all intents and purposes. But then I don't... Sorry, that, that's part of my prediction. We don't have to worry about all the, the jokes I crack at the expense of any honest insight. You know, once we're the, our season's done, then it's yeah. like, all right, bring on the diarrhea. Well, we'd start uh, analyzing the NFL draft. Oh, man, no. <laughs> Snooze. Not unless we're talking about Mel Kuyper's hair. We can do that, too. That'll do it for this week's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you once again, everybody, so much for listening to us. Uh, we'll be back again next week to analyze this uh, Vikings game, no matter how it ends up. Uh, we'll see you later, folks. Um, enjoy the game on Sunday. I leave you today with a song called something by Rosie by the String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. Go Pack Go. <laughs>